Let Earth Receive Her King is the title of the sermon, and uh, what I want to do is begin back in 1719. Uh, The man's name is Isaac Watts. You may have heard of him. Uh, He was 45 years old at the point that he wrote Joy to the World, one of the most, actually probably the most recognized and popular Christmas songs that we know, all the variations and versions. In fact, we're going to sing that song to close the service today. In July, Christmas in July. What's interesting about this is that he was in Psalm 98 when he penned the words to this song, and he wasn't thinking Christmas. That's the amazing thing. This is not really a Christmas carol. This is not a song written for Christmas. Now, it works to sing it at Christmas, certainly because the Lord has come, um, but that's not what the song says, is it? It doesn't say the Lord has come. It says the Lord is come, which means, yes, he has come and he's coming again. And so it's a song of advent, of great anticipation for our king and his return. Joy to the world. Isaac Watts wrote like 453 hymns. And uh, in nine years, I'm gonna preach a biography sermon on him Um, We've got to wait nine years, though, okay? There's other guys in the line first. But he's coming, I think it's 2032 or 2031, something like that. So hang with us, and we'll get to Isaac Watts someday. Here's what he said. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. This is a post-victory celebration song. This is the work of the cross is finished. He is enthroned. He He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He reigns. Let men their songs employ, Psalm 98. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, they repeat the sounding joy. They sing his praise as well. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Where are we at now? We're all the way back in Genesis 3, right? He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Well, how far does the curse reach? The curse reaches to the ends of the universe. That new telescope that they're using is witnessing some of the most distant and glorious creations of God. Even there, the curse is found. One day, the curse will be reversed. The curse will be conquered because Christ is the victor and he is the king. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. What a song, what a song. Now, you can see why we sing that at Christmas, but friends, We can sing that anytime we want. That's an all year round kind of song. It speaks of the reign and the return of our king, our sovereign, Jesus Christ. It's interesting because Isaac was, he was frustrated with uh, the songs that they were singing in church and largely because there wasn't enough focus on Christ. And he said, dad, when he went to his dad, who was a pastor and he said, dad, we're singing a lot of psalms and things, but where's Jesus in the, in the mix? And his dad said, well, well, write me some songs. So at 18 years old, he set out to write songs, and he wrote a song a week for most of his life. 
It's just an incredible display of God's grace to us. Many of his songs we still sing today. So, let earth receive her king. Psalm 98, verses one through nine um, is where we're gonna be today. Let's just dive into this passage and, and let it kind of melt into our hearts. Just, just run into your soul today the words of this psalmist. We begin in verses one through three, a, a global call to worship. That's where we start here, a global call to worship. Oh, don't miss that. That word counts. For, for those of you who are here, I preached an entire sermon on that word. A theology of oh. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. That's interesting to consider. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. It's not hidden. It's not hidden at all. He doesn't do his work in secret. Look at what he's done, the psalmist says. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Wow, wow. That's where he begins. So two questions out of the gate. Number one, who is being addressed? As the psalmist writes this psalm, who is being addressed? And number two, what is being considered? Okay, first off, consider where he begins. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. Well, he's not talking to the Lord. He's talking to us. He's talking to the people of God in all the generations through the inspired uh, work of the Spirit that would log this and keep this and preserve this and bring it today to us in power. This psalmist is addressing us. God is addressing us through the psalmist. Now think of this. God is saying to you today, sing to me, sing to me a new song. It's right to call the people to the praise of God. We have every single week in our service what we, what we call a call to worship. It's a passage like this that is, that is a focusing passage. It's like, okay, everybody, we're here. Now focus your hearts. What are we gonna do? Now we're, we're gonna sing. Why are we gonna do that? Because he's worthy. Look at how he draws our attention to God and calls us to action. What is being considered? This is a fascinating thing. In fact, I use this as the call to worship. This is what Tim read this morning. He's looking back to Exodus 15. I believe this is a, a song of praise that he knows by memory, without doubt. He has got this memorized, and he's probably sitting there and singing it, and then he's thinking as he sings the song of Moses, how can I stir the people to sing this with me together? And then begins to write this song. Oh, how the Lord set us free. He delivered us from our slavery, from Pharaoh. Think of all the wonders he displayed in those mighty acts. Then into the wilderness, 40 years of wandering, following supernatural displays of his manifesting glory in the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day, being fed by God day by day with manna sustained in the wilderness, water flowing from the rock. 
And then all that took place in the settling of the land, being brought across that river and into the land of promise, conquering mighty nations that lived there and then settling that land. Hmm. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Someone said, oh, God's right-handed, look at that. And all the left-handers like me are like, oh man. (laughs) That's not what this verse means, okay? The right hand in this day was a reference to the sword hand. This was the shield. The shield would be carried in the left, but most often the right hand was the strongest arm because this is the one that wielded the weapon, the offensive weapon, the attacking, slashing, crushing weapon. His right hand, which means his power. The power of God has been set on display. And his holy arm, the strength, those muscles, as it were, he's he's trying to envision the holiness of God. It's right, it's true. Everything he does is fitting. He never does wrong. No one is like him. He is holy, holy, holy. Exodus 15, 6 and 12. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, Yahweh is the name, shatters the enemy. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. Amazing. God alone has done this. This was the work of God. One of the things I think that we learn about God in his delivering of his people from Egypt is their work, which was stand and watch, basically. Be still and watch me do all that is necessary to bring you to salvation. That's a statement of God. He doesn't say, here's the deal, I need your help. This is a big army. I'm not sure I can pull this off on my own. You guys get your best and, and then bring it and then, and then we'll, we'll see if we can make this. No. He says, just watch. Watch me work and worship. God alone has done this. He is worthy of all praise. God delights to glorify himself. If this was true of you as an imperfect person, not the greatest person who has ever lived on the in the history of mankind, you would be inappropriately requesting glory and praise. God is the most glorious, and so it it would be wrong for him to not glorify himself. It would be a lie for him to not say, praise me, I am worthy, praise me. So it's fitting that God is constantly pointing us to this, and here's the amazing thing, he knows the most satisfying thing for us as those who've been wired for his worship is to obey that command. Praise me, praise me. Ascribe the praise that is due to my name. Look at what I have done and stand in awe. God alone has done this. What does this reveal about who God is? There's there's always this second layer. So when the Lord answers prayer in your life, celebrate answered prayer, but then go to that next question. What has he shown us in the way he has answered prayer? What have we witnessed of who God is in his love and care in the way that he helped us through this situation? 
Look at how the psalmist moves into this. The Lord has made known his salvation. This is what he's done. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered his steadfast love. So now we're looking at attributes of God. What's he like? Oh, he is steadfast in his love. The Hesed love of God, it's loyal. It's true, it's consistent. His faithfulness, he keeps his promises. He does not fail to fulfill his promises. He's remembered this to the house of Israel. God's power is on display in his mighty right hand. His holy arm, his holiness, his justice, right? When, when, when justice fell upon Egypt, no one received from God what they did not deserve. And in that moment, it was death. When the waves swept over and swallowed the army, the greatest army on the face of the earth, like that, and they all drowned, they got from God what they deserved, justice. Because each one of them was a sinner, and they were breaking God's call to run to him and find shelter under the blood on the doorpost. God's righteousness is in view. God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. Friends, I would just encourage you regularly, stop and ask yourself, who is God? Who is God? If you want to worship, then you want to biblically answer these questions. Go to the word of God. Who is he? What is God revealed about who he is? And what do we learn from him as he shows up in all these different places in scripture? He is glorious. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What's amazing to me is as you go through Exodus, we, we covered that book a number of years ago, and uh, I was struck how often the Lord would say that all may know that I am God, right? I wanna put this on display. I am going to do what I'm gonna do in public and in power so that no one on the face of this earth can say, well, I, I've, never, I've never known about that God. They would say, you mean the God that crushed the greatest superpower on the face of the earth? That God, he is God, he is God alone. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. This is not just a statement of fact, but this is a statement of future, isn't it? Because we know that even at the beginning, the, 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 the nations were in view. It wasn't just the Jews, and this is the mystery that Paul spoke about toward the end of, uh, of Romans, right? The mystery is, is that all nations will taste of this salvation through Jesus Christ. Some from every nation, tribe, and tongue will sing his praise forever all of grace. Oh, sing. So look at what he does. He sets this up and he, he gives the call up front. This is what we are to do and then he gives reasons why. Here's why. Here's why we should sing. So I just reversed it. Here's all the things he has in view. Now, this is the call. Sing. Oh, sing. You ever had someone tell a story to you, share something that's happened to them? Just tragic, heartbreaking. What do you say in that, when you feel that, when you hear the, the, the grief or the, just the, the, the catastrophic hit on their life? A lot of times we say, oh man, oh. We use this word all the time. Friends, 
It's not only a word of, of connection with, with, with weighty things. It's, it's glorious in its response. It, this is the, the, the vocalization of awe. Oh, sing, sing. They work well together. Oh, sing. It's the right response. Sing to the Lord a new song. Well, what's wrong with the old song, you might say? We like old songs here. Are they wrong? Are they bad? Well, no. Some of them are. <laughs> right? And we don't sing those. But, but, but some of them are spectacular, magnificent. We wouldn't be thinking about Isaac Watts, would we? If we didn't love old songs. But there was something that Isaac Watts understood about the glory of God. Singing a new song to the Lord is not to... to to, to say that old songs are not good, it's to say that they're, they're insufficient. They're not enough. There's more needed to express his praise and his glory. You think of it this way. He is worthy. He is so worthy that he deserves endless praise. And I would add then new expressions of our adoration forever and ever. We will forever, in eternity, be obeying this command. Sing a new song to the, think of how many songs we're going to know. And we're not going to forget the lyrics. Imagine this. We won't need PowerPoint. We will know them all immediately, perfectly, and our pitch will be right on. <laughs> new expressions of adoration forever. Why? Because he's that good. He's that worthy. He is that awesome. Here's the new song we added today. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What other beauty demands such praise? Do you feel Psalm 98 jumping off the page here? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. So what should we do? How do we respond? Come and behold him, people. This is the same kind of, of, of song. It's written to us. It's addressing. It's calling us. The one and the only. Cry out. Sing. Oh, sing. Forever a holy God. Come and worship a holy God. It's right that we sing this. It's right that we sing it to one another. It's right that we sing it together. We draw our attention to him. He is worthy. Sing a new song to the Lord. Some of you might have some gifts in, in, uh, in poetry. Some of you might have some gifts in music, that, like writing music. I think it would be amazing in the years ahead to make it a goal to have some of our own music, to, 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 to say, Lord, what could we do to express from, from here, from, from Good Shepherd, our little church, how could we put this into words and then sing it? Wouldn't that be cool? Go to work. <laughs> Start writing. Let's do this. I mean, Isaac Watts was awesome, but he's with the Lord now, right? We need a new song. We need new expressions of praise. 
He is worthy. Now the second half of this joyful anticipation of righteous judgment. You wouldn't tend to put those words together, but this psalm does. I believe this is a joyful anticipation of righteous judgment. How does this come together? Watch watch as this unfolds. Verse four. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. That is a command. That's a command from the psalmist, but it's a command from God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. And now he's gonna build this out. What does that mean? How does that, how does that work itself out? A joyful noise. Friends, when we gather and we sing, or when you're in the car by yourself, or you're driving the tractor, or you're riding on your bike, or as our neighbor kid does, with his headphones on every time he mows the lawn. (laughs) Uninhibited, unrestrained, wholehearted, God-exalting praise. I remember as a young man, I don't know why, but man, I was so timid in singing. I was so concerned that I would be off key. I was so nervous about what people would think of me if I really just sang out. And so I didn't enjoy singing. I would start to sweat during congregational singing. And you know what it was? Where was my focus? Me, 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 me. What a waste. Oh, if I could go back and say to little Jeremy, hey, little dude, Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the glory of God who saved you from your sins. Think of him and let it rip. Who cares if you miss a few notes? We we don't care. Okay, let's be clear. We don't care if you are not a professional vocalist. It does not matter to us here in this church. Sing to the Lord with all your heart. Make a joyful noise. If that's all you can do, then do that. Do that. Mm. Sometimes people ask, you know, what what do you guys, like, how does this work here at this church? You guys do amens during the sermon? We do that, okay? You have permission. You have permission. I attended a a church in inner city Chicago, and uh, my brother and I were the only white guys in the entire church. So we know what it sounds like to have some wonderful talking and back and forth during the preaching. Go for it. Don't hold back. If you get distracting, I'll let you know. Right? You in the back, chime down. No, we've never had that problem here. Go ahead, go ahead. But not for me. Because you are enraptured with the God of all glory, how can you not say amen? Right? That's... That's, yeah, there we go. It's about him. It's about him. When we sing, here's one of the things we do to help with this. We put the lights down. We we drop the lights. Here's why we do that. We want your attention on the words and on the cross. And you put your hands up if you feel like it. This is not a show, right? We're not here to make some kind of music video, right? So, you know, you don't have to stand in the front, you know, (laughs) Where's the camera? You know, no, we're not doing that. There, don't worry about it. We don't, we won't, we don't even record our, our songs, okay? So put your hands up, though, if you want. Raise your hands. 
Sing praise to the Lord. Sometimes it's important to ask the question, what holds me back? Why would I be timid to sing the praise of the God of all of creation when I can go to a football game and not feel any timidity with thousands of people? What's that? What's the difference here? The call is, let it rip. Sing out. He is worthy. Far more worthy than any football team could ever be. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. This may be my favorite line in all of the Psalms. Break forth. This, for me, I gotta tell you, this, this is what it was. It was break free from self-focus, from timidity. Break forth, Jeremy, and sing. Break forth and sing. Joyous song and sing praises. Hmm. Doxology and theology, now just to clarify here. Um, break forth and sing. Now here's what we don't do at this church. We don't start making animal noises. Okay, we don't start frothing around and rolling in the aisles and, and running around and you know, we don't do chaos, okay? Because one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. We don't just, we don't just release all self-control and become lunatics and call it worship. That's not what he's calling for here, let's be clear. Doxology and theology, it is passion and precision. Right, so, so break forth and sing. What does that mean? It means our musicians don't just throw the music on the ground and start ripping you know, guitar riffs, no. It means we play in the beauty of the music. It means we, we aim for those harmonies and we try for, for this mix of glorious praise together. It means that we're not trying to be distracting in our, in our unbridled passion, but we are trying to be glorifying to God from the heart, unrestrained and precise in what we sing. So the best theologically sound songs, that's what we aim for here. We aren't just looking for psalms or songs that are gonna manipulate your emotions into some you know, passionate, frothy overflow of, of feeling good and, and shivers. That's not what we aim for, right? We're, we don't have lights and lasers and fog machines and we're not trying to manipulate your, your heart. We are seeking to point you to the God who is in all the precision of truth and beauty and revelation and then rightly respond accordingly. That's our goal. Passion and precision, doxology and theology, it should be loud and as someone said, logical. Loud and logical, these things go together in the praise of our God. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, Yahweh, the Lord. So, what do we do? We get the musicians together. 
right? We gather the musicians. If ever there was a reason to make music, we've got it. Friends, I mean, think of how much our world loves music. Think of how much money is spent on music and instruments and time and and how much delight is found in music. Why does music exist? God. It exists because of God. And there's something amazing that happens when the glory of God meets the expression that he has ordained in all the instruments working together, in the people raising their voices. We got a reason to sing. We got a reason to sing. Certainly when we gather, but also when we scatter. One of the reasons I encourage you to come and be be dialed in for our singing is so that you can memorize these songs and take them with you in your mind all week long. John Apple often tells me how he sings at the top of his lungs while he's driving his tractor, right? I love that. that. That's it. That's it. We should all try this as we drive around, right? I remember as a kid, whenever we went on family vacations, we'd, we would sing for hours in the car all the songs that we could remember just by memory. Do that. Sing to the Lord. The expressions of praise, all the instruments. Yes, drums. When I came to this church, we needed a band. We didn't have any how many, we had piano, right? Who was here? We had piano and we had amazing vocalists and we had a bass guitar, but we couldn't hear him that much. Um, so we, we were like, Lord, shower us with musicians. We need some help. We need people that can play. And someone bought a drum set and donated it. That one right there. And then we needed a drummer, and and we didn't have a drummer, so I'm like, well, hey, I'll give it a go. And I sat up there and literally Sunday by Sunday learned to play the drums as we sang because we needed drums, right? And then God has so blessed us. He's brought people with skills, and I'm so grateful for this team. This helps to stir our joy in God as we sing. And so we gather the musicians. The psalmist invites the expressions of of music and song and, and sound. And then he adds to this, let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. You can kind of hear this at, the, at, at a waterfall, for example, or a, a, a running stream. Let the rivers clap their hands and the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. This is a call to creation to join as well. All of creation joins the song. Behind our house right now, the, uh, the fireweed is in full bloom. And it is spectacular. We need a new name for that. It, saying that that's a weed is offensive to me. That, that is a spectacular flower. Our pasture back there is singing. The question is, do I listen? Will I catch the song that those little flowers ordained by God, blooming in full color, sing to him? Creation often obeys far more than we do. The little birds, I got a bird feeder. I got some fat little birds now, man. They are like... (laughs) 
chunky little guys, and they sit on my back fence, and they just sit there, and they sing. That is not random. That is not just chaos and chance. These birds are known by their maker, and they sing to him. Do we listen? Do we notice it? Do we sing along? All creation joins the song. Reminds me in Romans 8, 19, when Paul spoke about creation, waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation experienced the curse because of us, friends, because of us. We messed it up in Adam and Eve, and creation has been groaning ever since. One day, when the Lord returns, there will be a lifting of the curse, and creation will be remade. No curse. Maybe no thorns. Maybe animals will be able to talk, as C.S. Lewis wonders. Who knows the glory that awaits us? What is the focus of this exuberant anticipation? This is maybe the most surprising thing in the whole psalm. (laughs) Why are they so excited? What is this anticipation all about? Look at what the psalmist says here. For he, the Lord, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. There is something to be said about a righteous ruler. There is a longing, a cry, oh, Lord, come, come, make this right. What a mess this world is. How we long for things to be made right. A perfectly just and righteous king. We have a governor who still holds emergency powers for COVID. All these months later, that makes no sense. It stirs my heart to long for a righteous and just king. Do you feel that? It doesn't matter the man in the White House. At the end of the day, that man is not Jesus. Regardless of his party, he is a sinner. Even King David proved the greatest king the earth has known aside from the king of kings. He proved desperately in need of God's mercy and forgiveness because of horrific sins. We need the king to come and set things right. Retribution will fall absolutely at will. There is wrath. He will mete it out. Blood Blood will flow. Justice will reign. Things will be made right. Listen to what is coming, friends. This is our future. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And we say, Oh, yes. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There shall be no mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down 
for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done, I am. Oh, those words, do you hear the echo of those words from Jesus? I am, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give drink from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. There's also justice for those who are godless. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Justice will fall. And all will be right. All will be right. Evil will not, will not have freedom to run. Sin will be dissolved and gone. And we will truly know what it means to worship face to face, unimpeded, unrestrained, forever. Christians are singing people because God is worthy. That's the reality. You, if, if you don't like singing now, you better learn to like it because that's what we're going to do, friends, forever. One of the many expressions of praise and joy. So our response this morning, four things, four things to consider as we think about this psalm. Number one, we have even more reason to celebrate as New Testament believers. Just think, the psalmist here, he didn't know the name of Jesus. He didn't understand that the Messiah that he anticipated would come and put down Satan and sin and death and hell in his victory in the gospel. We have so much more in view. I mean, if he was here, this psalmist, if he could be here today, he would be absolutely in awe of what we see that he just didn't yet see. And he would ask, so you guys sing, right? You guys? Like, when you get together, oh man, I bet you sing. And we say, yeah. We absolutely do. We don't yawn our way through the songs. We don't muscle memory it out. No, we lock eyes with the Savior. We know his name. He's our king. And he is worthy. And we sing with every ounce of joy that overflows from our soul. We have ever more reason to sing Number two, we too invite all nations to join the song. That mission still continues. We have good news to share. We have his name. We, we have his finished work. We have the gospel that we carry to the ends of the earth, and we say, join the song. Come join the song. This is, this is the song of salvation. Let me tell you what he did to save me from my sins. He can save you. He can save you. Run to Jesus Friend, if you're here today and you have not turned from your sin and embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your treasure and your hope alone in this life and the next, today is the day. You want joy? You want freedom? You want satisfaction like nothing you've ever experienced? Jesus is the answer. Run to him. Run to him. 
The arms are open. The door stands open today. It may shut soon. Don't wait until tomorrow. Today is a day of mercy and grace. Run to him in faith. Bow before him. And he will save you from your sins. Number three, we sing about a certain and glorious future. Think think of what the psalmist would say if he could read the book of Revelation. Think of this. We know the end of the story. We are reading words that we are going to sing in days to come. it's, It's fact, it's true, it's certain, and it's unshakable. It will take place as the Lord has said it would. All the more reason to sing. Friends, this is why we have hope even when it's dark, even when it's dis- we'd be tempted to despair. We have hope. We have an unshakable hope, and we can sing. I think about Jerry battling these health issues. As we prayed this week, I just think one of the greatest gifts to people who are suffering and struggling physically, if you're having physical issues, sing. Sing. You want to muster up strength and joy in Jesus, lock eyes with who he is, and sing. Sing to the Lord who is worthy of praise. Even as you suffer, your future is sure. Death can't touch you because of Jesus Christ. Number four, we long for the return of our righteous judge and king from within the shelter of his mercy and love. How could we long for justice to fall and not be afraid? We're all sinners. Every single one of us in this room, we are all sinners. How could we ever with joy anticipate judgment? The only way is if we have found shelter in the gospel. If we can say with confidence, I am forgiven because of what Jesus has finished on the cross. I'm his. He loves me. My king knows my name. He returns. He comes for me in love and grace forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will, we will, because of Christ, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is something that in the Old Testament was longed for and certainly believed, but we have the clarity that they lacked. They had a shadow. We have the reality. We see his face. We have the gospel. So, good shepherd, sing. Sing. Let's sing. As our brother Isaac Watts did back in the day, joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the joy of song. Thank you that you have created us in such a way that we have these these overflows of of just love and excitement and joy and passion. and, And we thank you for the outlet that you've given us in singing to you. Thank you that 
As we consider how worthy you are, you stir our hearts to song. Thank you for those that write songs like this and and put music together for our musicians that that play in such a way that, that calls our joy to you all the more. Thank you for the joy of being together with your people to sing. If there ever was a reason for us to gather together, just alone the reason of singing together, raising our voice one together in your praise. Father, we pray that you would be glorious in our singing, that our eyes would be focused on you, not on ourselves. Help us to release and break forth in song, not just here today, but all week long. You are worthy, forever worthy. And so we sing. We join with those who have run before. We join with the voices of heaven. We join with all of creation. And we sing your praise now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.